We're going to see loud and clear this evening that the message that God had given to Ezekiel to take to the children of Israel is the age-long message, and it's never changed. I wonder if you're someone who assumes that because we have a Bible that contains the New Testament, that the Old Testament, therefore, is largely redundant. I hope you don't, because you'd be making a grave error of judgment. The Old Testament is as relevant as ever, because it deals with issues which have always blighted and challenged men and women, and always will. And in response to those issues, we find God's unchanging truth. And it holds true all through the Bible. In these two chapters of Ezekiel that we're going to consider, the nuts and bolts of these issues are made very clear. And we can be no doubt at all of a situation and a message which actually forms the basis of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I'm going to take you through these chapters, not by running through them sequentially, verse by verse, but by picking out a number of themes and topics, and we'll look at them in that way. We'll begin, first of all, with God's appointment of Ezekiel to be his spokesman, or to be his prophet. And we'll also consider, in a moment, uh, what it means that he was called to be this watchman, so first of all, Ezekiel's appointment. We, we touched briefly on this last week. Let's just think a little bit more about it. God has chosen Ezekiel to be his mouthpiece to those who are of Israel who've been taken into captivity in Babylon. And we're presented with a familiar scene in the opening verses of chapter 2 as God comes directly to Ezekiel and appoints him. God doesn't place adverts in the local press, profit required, and waits to see who might apply. It's not how God works. God has singled out Ezekiel. God has chosen Ezekiel. And God comes to him. In chapter 1 at verse 3, we read uh, last week, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, came to him. And it came in this way only to him. God has chosen Ezekiel and he's going to appoint Ezekiel. And after that great vision that he was given, in fact, as we go into chapter 2, that vision is actually still continuing Ezekiel finds him himself in the place that any sinful man or woman would find themselves when confronted by the all-surpassing eternal God who is holy, holy, holy. Ezekiel finds himself face down in the dirt. It's the only place a sinful man dare be in the presence of a holy God. So what is to become of Ezekiel? What is he to do next? How is he to react and respond? Well, we see it as chapter 2 
opens up, he receives the command to stand and is told that God is going to speak to him. But look at verse 2 of chapter 2. What do you notice there? Let's ask a question first. How is any sinful man or woman at any time in any generation going to be able to respond when God issues his call? How may anyone respond? What happened to Ezekiel? God's spirit came and entered him. And the spirit set Ezekiel on his feet. The spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. He needed the coming of God's spirit to deal with him. None of us can ever hope to respond to God's call. None of us can ever hope to serve God unless God himself expressly comes to us and moves within us by his Holy Spirit. None of us can ever truly listen to God. None of us can ever heed his voice, which means having heard to do. None of us can do that unless the Holy Spirit grants us hearing and understanding and then provides us with the impulse that we need. This is the Spirit's chief work amongst us. And he does it to Ezekiel. If you're a Christian, he's done it to you. If you're not yet a Christian, this is the work of the Spirit that you need in your life yet. None of us has any natural ability that is sufficient for us to be able to stand and serve God. God himself comes to us. God himself moves in us. And as we've been remembering in our morning series, God, by his spirit, brings his strength to our weakness. And it is God who enables us to stand before God. That's what God did for Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, like every true believer, was known and chosen in Christ before time began. And at God's appointed time, God came to Ezekiel, moved in him, revealed himself to him, and called him. So you see, like Ezekiel, our boast can never be in my decision to follow Christ. Our boast is in Christ and in his choosing of us. And he it is who's come and worked in me by his spirit. That's the boast of the Christian. Nothing of me, all of him. That's Ezekiel. I wonder, can you rejoice in that same testimony this evening? That God has come to me and worked in me? This Jesus is mine? The second thing I want to point out is Ezekiel's preparation. I want to just highlight a few of the verses. First of all, verse 8 of chapter 2. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Don't be rebellious like that rebellious house. Do you notice how many times the word rebellious appeared? 
Open your mouth and eat what I give you. The opening verses of chapter 3. He said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. He said to me, son of man, feed your belly, fill your stomach with this scroll I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Verse 10 of chapter 3, moreover, he said to me, son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. This is Ezekiel's preparation. And really it's summarized in chapter 3 verse 10. Receive into your heart all my words that I'm bringing to you. Now some of you will be familiar with the language of the psalmist that God's word ought to be a delight to our souls and sweeter than honey. And here it is. This is Ezekiel's experience. And what's the picture that we're given here? Well, as food is to the body, so the word of God is to the soul. As food is eaten and chewed and swallowed and digested, and its nutrients extracted to nourish and strengthen our bodies, so is the word of God to our soul. So here is picture language. Now it's clear because um, Ezekiel goes back to mention the, the angels that he's seen and the wheels in that vision. It's still part of that vision. It's picture language. Ezekiel didn't literally eat a scroll. This is still part of the vision God has given him. In the vision, he ate the scroll and it was sweet to his taste. And verse 10 of chapter 3 unlocks the picture for us. Receive into your heart all my words. You see, the messenger doesn't merely carry the words of God. The messenger must first of all receive them for himself. This is an act of obedience service on the part of Ezekiel. And the word of God will feed and nourish and encourage him. The word of God will direct and strengthen him. These are my words for you, Ezekiel. Feed on them. And he's not allowed to pick and choose. Did you notice? Now, some people are very fussy eaters. And most parents know of the battle with children who won't eat everything that's put on their plate. Is there any parent who's never had that battle? I don't think so. You can't pick and choose with the word of God. All my words. Not just the ones you like the sound of. And took out of the way the ones that, mm, they're not quite so pleasant, are they? It's not so bad bringing this part of the message to the children of Israel, but this bit, that's really going to get their backs up. Maybe I'll just mm, play that soft bit. No. All my words, Ezekiel. All my words. And that holds true for us today, you know. 
you need the whole Bible. You need to read all of the Bible. You need to study every part of it. It's a very arrogant Christian who would say to God, I only need this bit. And that part there that you've given, that really is not of any worth or value to me. If you never have, let me encourage you. It's the start of a new year. We're a little bit way into it, yeah, but you've got time to catch up. If you never have, why not try getting hold of a Bible reading plan that will guide you through the whole Bible? They can be helpful because sometimes they will break the Bible down into different sections and you'll alternate between Old Testament and New Testament and it will lead you through in that way. You could just pick it up and read the Bible like you'd read a novel and start at Genesis and work right through and that works too. But you could find a Bible reading plan if you want. Um, I checked online, I googled Bible reading plan. Plenty of good stuff out there. Some of the first things that came up on the very first page, um, Ligonier Ministries, they're very good. Bible Gateway, Navigators, any of those kind of sites. They'll just give you a schedule of Bible readings that will take you through the whole of God's Word. Don't worry too much about how long it might take you. Some will give you a schedule to read the whole Bible in a year. Some two years, some three years. Don't worry too much about that. And if you pick a schedule and you can't keep pace, don't worry. If it takes three years instead of one, if it takes five years instead of three, don't worry. But read. Read. Read through the Bible. All my words. Ask the Lord to help you. To help you concentrate. To help you discipline yourself to help you understand, to help you persevere, and he will. And don't forget, Ezekiel needed the indwelling of the Spirit. But as well as needing the indwelling of the Spirit, he needed the ingesting of the Word. Those two things go together. The indwelling of the Spirit and the ingesting of the Word of God. Ezekiel needed that. So do I. So do you. Thirdly, we see Ezekiel's strength. Strikes a chord with our morning series just at the moment. In chapter 3 at verse 8, Behold, I've made your face strong, your forehead strong, like adamant stone. It's an interesting word, adamant. Those of you who are into certain superheroes uh, will know that one certain superhero has his skeleton uh, injected with adamantium. Well, the Bible got there first. Like adamant stone. Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. You're not missing much, don't worry. And... In verses 12 to 14 of chapter 3, we're taken back to the vision of chapter 1. And then at verse 14, the spirit lifted me up, took me away. I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. This is this task that the Lord is placing upon Ezekiel. He's feeling it. But 
the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. The Lord is holding him and will hold him and keep him. And then later on in, in chapter th uh, 3, we, we find again God meeting with Ezekiel, talking to him. Uh, verse 23, the glory of the Lord standing there. And I fell on my face again. The spirit again enters him and he's able to stand again and God is speaking with him. And Ezekiel finds his strength in God. Now, this wasn't going to be an easy task and Ezekiel knew it. There would be wholesale rejection of what he's going to say. But God in his grace brings Ezekiel this great reassurance that all of heaven is on his side. And God is with him. And God will be his strength and God will equip him for the task. And all believers of every age need and have these same assurances. Do you face challenging circumstances right now? Maybe it seems that you're making no progress at all. Well, be encouraged as God prepares Ezekiel for a mission that in many ways will see little sign of fruit but in which Ezekiel will be strengthened to persevere. Remember I said last week, the text of the book tells us that for at least 27 years, Ezekiel was faithful because God strengthened him. And then fourthly, we have Ezekiel's mission. What precisely is it that God wants him to do? Well, we have it in chapter 2 at verse 7. You shall speak my words to them. Whether they hear or whether they refuse, you speak. Chapter 3, verse 4, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. Verse 11, get to the captives, to the children of your people and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse, that, not, that doesn't matter, Ezekiel, you tell them. And so it continues. Verse 27 of chapter 3. When I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. He who hears, let him hear. He who refuses, let him refuse. They're a rebellious house. And in that section he's referred to as a watchman. God is setting him as a watchman. The watchman was a form of early warning. It's got nothing to do with things that sit on your wrist and tick. Most of them don't nowadays, do they? It's not that kind of watch. During World War II, radar was developed to detect incoming enemy aircraft before they could be seen or heard. And it allowed fighter aircraft vital extra minutes to be scrambled into the air to intercept them. This was the watchman's task in days of old. The watchman would stand on the ramparts of the city to watch for the enemy and to sound the trumpet so that the enemy could not advance and get into the city while everyone was still asleep. Everyone was woken so that they could prepare themselves and be ready and alert 
And the people of Israel are in imminent spiritual danger because of their sin and their rebellion. And Ezekiel is to stand before them and to sound the warning trumpet by means of the word of God that God will give him to say. That's what it means to be a watchman. And we read that Ezekiel must go to both the wicked and the righteous, to those who are believers and those who are not. Because in the nation of Israel, there were those who were truly of the house of Israel because they were of the faith of Abraham. But sadly, for the majority, they were not in that category. And they had the blood of Abraham in their veins, but they did not have the faith of Abraham in their hearts. And they were stubborn and rebellious against God. And Ezekiel must go to both. And he doesn't necessarily know which is which. But for all comes a call for repentance and a return to God. And that's the theme all through the Bible. A call to repent and to turn back to God. Now these are God's covenant people. But they have broken their terms of the covenant. Now God, of course, remains true and faithful. But part of his covenant in them is they must love him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength and that they must walk with him and in his ways. But they have rebelled and become disobedient. They have broken the covenant. And the wicked, we're told in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3, the wicked must repent of their sin or they will surely die in their sin. So you don't have to wait till the book of Romans to read that in the Bible. That the wages of sin is death is a message shouted loud and clear throughout all the scriptures. But it's also clear that in heeding the warning and turning in repentance, you may indeed be saved. You may indeed be saved. The God who is judge of the world is also the God who is saviour of the world. And if you turn, there is salvation with God. Some of these people are in the position of being the righteous who are backslidden. They are true believers, but they're backslidden from their faith. What of them? Well, if that person turns from righteousness and remains turned away, they will prove actually, ah, they were those who never were of faith. They gave the appearance. We thought they were, but they weren't. Because those who truly are the Lord's people will always return to him. Because the Lord will never lose any of those who are his own. The Bible teaches this very clearly. If they do repent, they will be saved. So this call is going to go out to the nation of Israel. You're rebellious, you're hard-hearted, you're impudent. You must return to the Lord in repentance and faith. 
or face the consequences. And Ezekiel, whether they listen or whether they don't, whether they repent or whether they don't, that makes no difference whatsoever to the job and task that I've given you to do. You've got to tell them. And God holds Ezekiel accountable. Did you notice that? God holds Ezekiel accountable for delivering this message faithfully. We see that in chapter 3 at verse 21. Also, you will have delivered your soul. Verse 20, his blood I will require at your hand. Ezekiel's going to be accountable for the faithful delivery of this message. Now, the same kind of language actually is found in the New Testament too, you know. So, for example, in James chapter 3 and verse 1, we read that teachers will receive a stricter judgment because those who stand and teach are to be held accountable by God for how they've, come, how they've carried out the task. Because this is a serious business. This is a matter of eternal life and death. And God holds men like me accountable. And I'll stand before him one day. That's why you need to pray for me. And everyone else who stands and preaches. That's why not just any Tom, Dick or Harry is allowed into the pulpit to preach. This is serious stuff. You see, even New Testament elders and pastors are tasked as watchmen and as those who must faithfully convey the truth of God's word and sound the warning. It's what gospel preaching is. What did we read in 1 Timothy 4 in our Wednesday series? Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. That's remarkably similar to what's being said to Ezekiel. Two major points here. Those who truly are the Lord's people are his forever. And they will always repent from backsliding. And those who truly are the Lord's people will always persevere to the end. Always. Now when God speaks of both Ezekiel and Timothy as saving themselves, what does that mean? Well, it's not talking about securing their own salvation for themselves. It's the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that those who are truly saved will always persevere to the end, and in persevering to the end, will secure their salvation. And those two things go together. Those who are truly the Lord's will always get to the end of the, the, the road that God has given them to walk. And when they get to the end of that road, they will finally enter into that eternal salvation that God has prepared for them. But to get into that eternal salvation, they must walk that road. But if they truly belong to the Lord, they will. Because all God's people do. So it's not saying that they've earned or merited their salvation. Not, of course, no one can do that. But that you have persevered is the proof of the genuineness of your faith. And therefore you will be saved because you are of genuine faith. It's what we read in 1 Peter 1.9. Receiving 
the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, the Apostle Paul, you see, has grasped all of this. This burden for preaching and declaring Christ, this burden for declaring the gospel, this burden to fulfill faithfully the task that God has given him, that as many as possible will hear from his lips the message of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gets this. The responsibility that lies upon him, Paul gets this, which is why he says in 1 Corinthians 9.16, necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Because Paul got it, you see. Paul got it. But finally, one question. Will they listen? Now, we need to be very careful by deciding that the estimation of good preaching is how many people respond the way you want them to respond. Because God tells Ezekiel, even before he starts to preach, that there are going to be many people who won't hear there will be many people who refuse. But Ezekiel is going to spend the rest of his years preaching. And again and again, did you notice? It talks about the rebellious nation. They've rebelled, they've transgressed, they're impudent, they're stubborn. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, you preach. And that's said more than once. You're being sent to a people who will understand the words you speak. They're not a foreign country. They're not a foreign language. There's no language barrier at all. But you see, the sinful heart is laid bare here. Rebellious, transgressors, impudent, stubborn, hard-hearted. The problem is that they can't hear with their ears what's being said. There's no language barrier. The The barrier lies within their hearts. It's a heart barrier in these people. Jesus himself had the same experience as Ezekiel, didn't he? He came to his own and they would not receive him. It's John chapter 1. How hard it is for people to receive one of their own as God's spokesman. That was the experience of Jesus when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and preached. They threw him out of town. The prophet is not accepted in their own country. But he must still preach and go on preaching. And gospel preaching can be painful because sometimes there's no fruit. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad preaching. You be careful how you judge it. Notice here how Ezekiel is urged to preach regardless of how the message is received. Whether they hear or whether they refuse, Ezekiel, that's not your concern. Your concern is to preach. Your concern is to convey the words that I'm going to give you. That's what you're to do faithfully. Your concern is to tell them. Sometimes if a preacher goes for years and sees no conversions, others might conclude, this man obviously ought not to be preaching. Look, nothing. There's either something wrong with him or his method or you be careful. Be careful. There are appointed preachers in the word of God who fall into that category. Be careful. 
some of the most faithful preachers that have walked this planet have seen the least amount of fruit. Be careful how you judge. Don't assume that the preacher who sees little fruit must obviously be a much poorer preacher than those who see lots of fruit. Those things are in God's hands. Don't assume that one preacher who sees lots of conversions, his ministry is obviously more blessed of God than the preacher who sees few. You be careful. If you know your Bible well, you'll be saved from that kind of thinking. Only God can overcome the hardness of men's hearts. And those of you who know this book will know of the glorious verses which we'll be reading later on, which tell of a God who is able to deal with the hardness of men's hearts. How is it for you this evening? Which camp do you fall into? Will you heed the warning? Will you listen to the warning and the call of God to repentance? Will you accept his offer of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you remain in your unbelief and your rebellion? Will you turn from your iniquity and be saved? Or will you, like so many in Israel, die in your sins and be lost forever? Let's sing a hymn as we close. From the depths of shame and sorrow. <laughs>